You are listening to the Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and very excited about this week's discussion and our guest, Steve Anderson. Steve is the president of Denco Construction, a dental construction company based in Tempe, Arizona. He is also the author of Dental Ease, an essential guide for dentists interested in building their own practices. And the book encapsulates Steve's 30-plus years experience working with over 1,000 dentists to create their dream dental offices. Steve, great to have you on the Practice Growth Podcast. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Sean. So the place I always like to start is just for some context and some background for the audience. Could you share uh, just a little bit more background about how you got to this current point of your career? Uh, I'd love to. Uh, it's interesting. I'm a, a regional uh, Iowan uh, up north of Des Moines and uh, moved to in, uh, moved to Arizona with the idea of wanting to follow my passion of getting into construction. And uh, over the years, I ended up becoming a general contractor and did little of everything. I mean, uh, we're talking residential, commercial, custom homes, uh, even some industrial and hazardous. And in the process of that, I got tired of being everything to everyone and just primarily known for being a number, you know, Mm -hmm. just had no real value, no relationship. And for some reason, I had this need to be needed, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and so I'm going, okay, driving to work one morning, I'm going, okay, so who needs help? And I hate to say it, Dennis, Dennis came to mind. And um, I'm so before I got to work, I came up with the name Denco Dental Construction and uh, came up with my business plan. And so it was very well thought out, but 20 minute ride. <laughs> <laughs> and then I took the next step of saying, okay, if I'm going to do this, what's my best source? And so I t- thought back about uh, the eight or 10 dentists that I saw as very successful. And I said, okay. So I invited them individually to lunch and asked them hard questions. What could I do better? What should I do now? What do you recommend? Some thoughts, insights. And I started probing and uh, got some great input, started applying some of those things. And one thing led to another. And uh, here I am today. You know, I, I uh, love what I do because it makes a difference in dentists' lives, helping them make better choices. And that's what it's about, making better choices and saving money. A couple of follow-up questions to you laying that out. So you had worked with some dentists on dental practices up until that point of your career. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, and what got me to think about it is as... I was decided to specialize. I thought about their pain points. I didn't call them that at the time, but I thought of uh, experiences. And their experience was typically a dentist would go out, find an architect. They'd go out and find an equipment person. They'd go out and, and talk to a contractor. And they hire all these individuals, but they wouldn't talk together. Mm-hmm. And so it really came prevalent to me uh, that there were some definite flaws in the process because they put all their eggs in the architect's basket and say, go build, you know, give me an office of my dream. 
And most of the time, the offices were a testament onto the architect and mm. not not a designed for the client themselves. And a lot of times they didn't understand the flow. I, I, uh, early on, I built some terrible flow design plans uh, that um, now I would ask different questions. But back then it was, you're hired to do a job, go do it. And in that process, I'd find a dis- disconnect. And ex- one example is I remember doing a final walkthrough with a client. He says, oh, I love the office. You open up this door for the final punch list. He goes, what's that? And I said, that's your $700 mop sink. And he's going, what? He says, my instruction to the the architect was I wanted a cheap $50, you know, Menards or Home Depot, whatever, mop sink. And unfortunately, the disconnect happened. And that was really stuck in my mind because I'm going, okay, we can do this process better. So you were in the construction industry and all things to all people to put kind of encapsulate what you said earlier. Um, and then it was how long before you sort of drew that line in the sand and started to really narrow in and focus on working with dentists and building dental practices? Yeah, I, I started uh, as a general contractor in 84 and 97. I decided to specify and uh, be specific to dental. And so a follow-up to what you said a little bit ago as well, when you, when you sat down with those dentists that you did have a prior relationship with and started to ask them harder questions, I think you said you didn't realize it was the pain point question, but that's effectively what you were asking when you started meeting with these dentists and started trying to formulate the vision of what your dental construction company was going to work with. What was the feedback that you got? What were some of the things that got thrown out to you in terms of, boy, this is always something that pops up, or this is something that popped up for me. Do other dentists have the same issue? Well, it it was quite revealing. And and again, I ended up having to go back a few years later and ask even some more questions because it's basically the one thing I hear from dentists getting ready to do an office. I don't know what I don't know, and it scares the heck out of me. Mm. And, you know, what should be on my checklist? What should I do? And we can talk about that a little bit more. But the challenge was early on is they say, you did a great job, Steve, but I didn't know I was going to get this. And they're looking around and sometimes it was way overbuilt to the level of what beyond they wanted. Sometimes it was underbuilt, you know, meaning that the design level wasn't them in either case. And um, and sometimes it was right on, but the flow wasn't quite there, you know, and uh, positioning of things could be better. So it was just asking, and it's it's amazing, just asking those simple little questions. You know, I, I had an office um, a couple of years ago, a guy said, uh, I had known him for four or five years down in Tucson and calls up out real excited. I found a 6,000 square foot office. I'm ready to go, Steve. And I said, okay. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure about that. And I said, I tell you what, I'm going to be down there a few days. Let's meet. We'll have lunch. And I got down there and we started talking and I asked the point of question, what do you need? And what's important to you? What's driving this? And he says, well, I need a consult. I need an extra operatory and, and I need a place to put my CBCT. And I'm going, and that's driving a 6,000 square foot and 6,000 square foot office. And you're in 1800 square feet. Something's wrong with this picture. 
you know, it's going to put you out of business. And I said, cancel that appointment that you have set up and let's look at this different. I said, you know, I can, and we went back to his office and for $40,000, we had accomplished what he wanted to do. And that's the biggest thing I see. You know, I've had other doctors, and I can give you countless examples where they've had even permitted plans and nobody asked the extra question. Do you have any pain points currently? One of them, he had eight operatories and he was about to add another dentist into the practice and they had eight, op- uh, what was he, one, two, five or six operatories that were going to be expanded into the next door and they're all designed off of the other ones. And we walk in and he was, he, for 10 years, he had too little of the space between the headwall cabinet and the chair and he hated it. But he had a hallway right behind the headwall that was six foot wide, and we could simply just move that back a foot or two, and it would accomplish everything we needed to do. And it's just, it was just such a great insight for me. It's just how important asking that extra question, but nobody typically does because a dentist goes to an architect and says, Hey, this is what I want. And he just assumes that he can read his mind and understand everything he wants, and he understands everything a dentist wants, which is usually far from the case. So very critical to make sure that the final product that's built and delivered matches the vision for what yeah. the dentist has in their head. Yeah. And, 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 and so often that extra little questions to ask are, is this flow and design about you? And, and I, I really ask clients go on our website and we have like 80 or 90 offices on there. And, Give me some pictures of things that you're about. What's important to you? Or go on the website and look at, there's countless options. And I said, help paint a picture of what's important to you. And and then also, I like for students and doctors, I said, you've been working in the existing surroundings. What are your pain points? What what do you like? What do you dislike? And and take all those things. And I love the new... uh, programs where you just add it into your notes and what's so nice you sit down and as you're sitting down with your architect and or contractor and equipment person you can relay those things that were pain points for you and unlike sean that uh things that i see repeatedly is there's lots of experts out there in the dental community every and lots of people willing to take your money <laughs> but the the key is that they all have their own program. The The problem is that program works usually for them. Mm-hmm. It's not usually working for them, the doctor. And what I mean by that is a great example is I, I've had doctors go to seminars and come back and they say, here's my book. Here's everything I want. And I put it aside and I ask those questions, you know, what are you about? What's important to you? Uh, and we go through all this and then we bring the book back and I say, okay, you're going to keep 20, 30% of that. And they go, what? what? And I explain why. And they go, well, you're right. But the normal architect would, or the normal designer, whoever is hired would, or equipment person would just build that book. They just handed them. So how do you 
how does a dentist avoid getting someone that's just going to take their order, so to speak, whether it's one of those professionals and not tell them what they really need to hear? And what I hear you saying they really need to hear is before you even get into those more micro decisions is to back way up at the top. Let's get high level. Yeah. What's your vision? Wow. You're smart. (laughs) I love that, Sean. It's And when I teach at the colleges, I start off, you remember the old song by the who, who are you? Yeah. Love the who. Yeah. So that's how I start the seminar off. And, And it's the key to your success. Understand who you are and what you're about. What's important to you? What's driving you? What motivates you? You know, what level of design is important to you? What, you know, when you get into the operatory, what's your ideal feel? You know, you know, what's your reach? What's your, where your handpieces are going to be? What kind of lights do you want? What kind of monitors you want? And what is it that's going to make you want to go to work? Something that you don't even have to think about going to work because you can't wait to go to work. And so the key in the process is it to start with more of a general contractor for the project that can help you pull out your vision first and foremost, but then also make sure that all those parts and pieces or all those different team members, the architect, the equipment person is all working together to, to fit the vision. Maybe, maybe not, you know, and as I write in the book, uh, you're going to find different people that are in different roles throughout the country. And what I mean by that is there might be a real strong equipment person that really understands dental design. There might be a real strong architect. There might be a contractor that's done a lot of them and really understands some of those questions. And that's where I talk about the second chapter of the book is uh, after you figure out who you are and your vision, you go into and you talk about how to find those trusted professionals, people that really care about you rather than your wallet. And it gives list of questions to ask them and, and help you focus on what you're about. And so that's the best way for a dentist to start to find the people yeah. on their team is, is some of the questions that you lay out in your yeah. book. And, yeah. and maybe and, since we're there, what are a few of those questions? Oh, good. That's right on. You know, the, the thing, Sean, that I found is uh, have a conversation with them and just mentally be an observer. I mean, this sounds weird, but what's interesting is when you start analyzing their response, do they give you options or is it you just finish a conversation, you pour your heart out to them and they come back with what? Their own question totally off the subject. Are they, so are they listening? They're on a sales script perhaps, if, <laughs> if not, right? Yeah. They, you know, do they already have their agenda already lined out and they, they haven't heard a thing that you're saying? And so that's one key. Another is, you know, you, you, you can tell if they're all about sales, you know, and or really are they providing you options? You know, things that, you know, this can save you money or, you know, this actually will cost you more money. But in the long run, it's going to last longer, serve you better, and it's going to be a better investment for you because you won't have any breakdowns and repairs. And But people that really are looking out for your best interest, and, and it's interesting when you do that out-of-body experience and, and you're more about listening to what's going on in that conversation, um, if you're not very good at it, and guys are so-so, 
women are really good at picking up on uh, really what's going on. Does that person really care? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in today's market, you know, uh, half of the students that graduate dental school are female. And so uh, the problem is, is in the dental community and as they graduate and they go into business, a lot of times they get stepped on. They're not being listened to. And Mm -hmm. there's this issue and this problem of uh, in the dental community where uh, they get taken advantage of because their voice isn't being heard. Hmm. So we sort of jumped in the middle. We've been kind of in in this conversation. We've hit on a few different areas, but maybe to back up, let's get into the book a little bit, Dental Ease. And in your words, what what is the book? What's it all about? Uh, it's, it's truly, to me, it's the essential guide for building a stress-free and profitable dental practice of your dreams. That's really what it's about. I I wrestled with this and and how do I put it into words? And it's really about taking all these different aspects, you know, how to find your team. What is a good flow and design? What is it that, uh, who do I talk to first? And what uh, does a good team look like? And who are they made up of? And when do I engage them? And what's my critical path? And, and how do I, because when I start the project, how do I know I'm not missing something? Mm. You know, what, you know, and so it deals with all those things and it talks about contractors. It talks about equipment people. It talks about lenders and, and big pain points that uh, poor choices dentists make uh, when it comes to real, real estate and uh, as they go out and look uh, to do their own office. And then it wraps up with celebrating your office. It talks about maintenance of your office. And then I have a chapter just on um, case studies. I think there's 20 some uh, case studies of things that have worked and things that haven't uh, to try and put in a perspective for dentists of, ooh, (laughs) that could be me, you know, and just trying to help dentists make better choices. So writing a book is a big undertaking, I know, and total humble brag. I've done it myself. And as I got halfway through it, I, I if I'm being honest, I, I wondered, I questioned my decision to start it. I did finish it. Um, it Congratulations. It is an you. undertaking. It, I, I, it, took, I wasn't... It, it, it took me, I wrote my first book for the dental students and I, I'm, a, I think in bullet points and that was a hundred pages. And I go on, okay, this is going to be painful. And it took me about seven, eight years before and enough people going, come on, let's go, let's go. But I knew what it was going to be involved. Right. Ooh. So I wasn't fishing for a compliment there. I guess I was uh, maybe getting more to your point. What was, so the tipping point was just enough people telling you, you need to put it all out there and and for everyone to use. Yeah. I've had so many clients over the years just say, you know, put it down, get it out there. And uh, and what I teach at the schools, I would have the directors and different people share and then uh, friends and whatnot. And I kept putting it off because I kept saying, oh, there's, there's all these other to-dos out there and there's all these other uh, books. And, um, and after asking a few times, I had uh, a couple doctors say, no, there isn't. And I, and I for the first time, 
a couple, three years ago, I, I looked and I'm going, dang, there's still nothing out there. And I thought, well, okay. There are some companies that will do the entire process. You can spend $50,000, $60,000 for their services, but there's no written book like this that helps you through the entire process. And you said, how many years it took to, to put it all together? Well, the my original notes, um, gosh, I started collecting them back in 97. Okay. And so do the math. And and uh, so for 20 years, it was just collection. And it was literally four or five feet tall sitting over in the corner of my room. So I knew I was going to write it someday. And I kept just, I think of something, write it down and throw it over there in the pile. Or, or I'd see something, take a picture of it and say, oh, there's a brain teaser. And, and so it was quite an undertaking. That's what was scaring me is that pile in the corner. <laughs> Wait, how tall was it at the end? Or towards four the to five feet, I literally mean, four to five feet tall. Four to five feet of paper. Wow! In notes, it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite movies. It's almost famous. It's sort of a semi-autobiographical. Uh, Cameron Crowe, the Rolling Stone writer, and uh, <laughs> you know, he went to write his big story at the end of the movie, and all these little post-it notes all over the place that he was trying to write his yeah. his movie off of. This is a little bit more than a few post-it notes. <laughs> Just a little <laughs> bit. And what was disappointing is how a page was maybe an inch thick sometimes, you know? <laughs> so with dental ease, someone is interested in building their own practice. Maybe they've been practicing on their own or practicing in a leased space for a period of time. What's the first step or what are the first few steps to make sure that they're, I think about it as climbing climbing a ladder, but you have to make sure that the ladder is first on the right wall of the room that you're trying to climb, if that makes sense. And how does it kind of, how does yeah, the book I, lay out um, to make sure that you're getting the big things in place right first? Yeah. The, uh, taking a step back, I, I created uh, uh fist of success while I was writing this. And, um, and it's interesting is it was a result of a lot of different uh, things that I experienced, but the bottom line was what I found is once you figure out that who you are and what you're about, what you're really wanting, and then I tell people go get pre-qualified, especially in this market. I've seen so many dentists uh, losing really good deals because they didn't have it financially intact and uh, where to go, and then. Then I start talking about the, the physical success. And basically what happens is literally it's like uh, there's this wall or a fist between you and success mm. because your hands are closed. And if you could picture uh, the first one being the FICA score, F for FICA. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is I tell them, you know, really shoot to be at least 720 or above so you become more of a viable candidate. You know, and then I talk about the intelligent spending. So that's the second item. What's inter interesting is your hand starts opening up. Mm. And as you're doing that, intelligent spending is really, uh, especially for students, first thing you don't do is go buy the big house and buy the big car. Mm. And I had a dentist literally do this. We He owned the building, but he made the mistake of going buying the big house right before he started the remodel. Mm. 
And it just, uh, we had to go through five different lenders before we found one that would take him because he had this big, big house. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, S is for, you know, satisfy your passion. And what's interesting is there's some doctors that are out there that really uh, there's parts of dentistry that aren't them. And it's okay to say, you know, I would do better working for uh, someone else. Mm-hmm. And there, and you know, the corporate dentistry is a lot of bad reps, but there are some good ones out there that'll work with you in the process. And it's more that they're coming alongside you and taking the HR off of your plate and allowing you to do what you do best, dentistry. And that's okay. And I, uh, it's amazing. Some students just need someone to say, it's okay to work for someone else. Because mm-hmm. there's this expectation when they go to school that they should be on their own and have their own practice. And so just talking out loud about that and understand what your passion is. It might be a specialty. It might stay uh, just in general dentistry um, and it might be another field, but do what you're passionate about. And then the fourth uh, is T, the uh, time for relationships. And it's even beyond time uh, being uh, well balanced with your family and taking time uh, for yourself and having good time management, but it's, Really, also, and most importantly, with your practice, it's relationships with your patients. Mm. You know, the the adage that I've seen over the years is, you know, the gurus always used to say, you know, sell, 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 and do the hard sell and how to push it in and make it happen. And they'd end up with frustrated clientele and people that didn't really like the end result or that they would back out at the last minute. Instead, if you have that relationship with the people and really understand what they're about and give them options, they love it. And they love the option because it's their own. They choose. Mm-hmm. And so the the relationships, that's where doctors that really get it a lot of times will have a sink over in their corner and they go in, and they touch the person on their uh, shoulder as they're coming in, appropriately touch. <laughs> <laughs> And so, Sean, I, I, the doctors, they do is they're washing their hands, showing that they're clean, and uh, but they engage their patient during that time and they build trust. And, they, and so we've seen that. And there's other ways of doing it, too. And then so all of a sudden, our hands almost open. And the last one is savings. Gosh, who's heard of that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, being in finance, you know, I mean, it's. Uh, it's a thing that doesn't get talked about very often, but you know, it makes you such a more viable candidate if you have at least forty, fifty thousand $50,000 in savings. And I tell the students coming out, I says, it's important to pay your bills, but not necessarily have them paid off. Right. The lender, the lender is really looking for that consistency. He's looking for someone that has money in the bank, someone that's made wise, wise choices and someone that really is about what's best for the lender because they're looking at someone, wow, he's made good solid choices. Mm. And so all of a sudden your hands open. And what's interesting is they went from closed to open and all of a sudden lenders will talk to you and you have more viable options. You get better uh, rates on your loans 
and you have more options available to you. And so those are some of the first steps. And then from there, what, what's the next step beyond that? You have to start looking for uh, team members and, and looking at options in terms of how you want to go about putting your project together. Absolutely, Sean. You know, it, it's it's then uh, then take the time to once you've got all your finances in place and, you know, start entertaining, you know, if you have a great referral on a contractor, a great referral on an architect, or vice, maybe there's several. Um, if you have more than one, interview them, talk to them. Do you connect? You know, uh, it's great to have a great contractor or a great architect, but if you can't stand them, mm. you know, that's something else. You know, especially a contractor, you're going to be living with them for a while. Right. And you want to make sure that uh, you take time to check their references. You know, it's great. You know, a lot of people can say a lot of things, but did they deliver it on time? And it, did they deliver it in budget? Did they do what they said? You know, a lot of hard concepts in this day and age. <laughs> but, you know, it's there's such vital processes. And uh, and that same thing goes for the, the big four is uh, having a good broker that really understands dental. Because what happens is if you have a really good broker uh, rather than try to do yourself is what happens is you end up with a, such a better and more uh, stronger uh, chance of getting the better deal. Uh, in the Valley here, I've seen tenant improvement dollars go from anywhere from no dollars with a client negotiating uh, we just had one that uh, they got $90 a square foot for tenant improvements. Hmm. That's incredible, you know, that they're going to be investing that much in your practice. But it comes back to understanding uh, who you are and a good broker will do that. And uh, if nothing else, um, you know, understanding your value is is huge in this process, too. I think we've danced around it and, and maybe hit on it at different times, but what what are the big blind spots? What are the big banana peels uh, that dentists need to be aware of when they go down uh, the path of, of building their own practice, trying to create the practice of their dreams? Uh, I call them pain points. Um, blind spots are uh, not asking enough questions of your professional up front and selecting the wrong one. Uh, getting a design that you don't understand. And that's usually uh, the driver. Um, you know, I don't know if you've done the disc assessment, but uh, there's this big D and you get the driver and he just basically wants the bottom line there. That's me, but they want the bottom line. And I learned over time, I had some very painful experiences because just give me the bottom line. And unfortunately, when you come in to design your office, you need to take a step back and you need to really make sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and make sure that the operatory really is the same. Uh, I just looked at a floor plan today that was designed by a uh, dental design group um, that does um, corporate dentistry and every operatory was a different size. And and I and they were told that they couldn't have uh, sinks on both sides or countertops on either side. And I'm going, doctors, all of the operatories are 
the equal or greater than what you have now, and you have counters on both sides, is this too tight for you? He says, no, I love it. Hmm. And so we're going to be making some modifications to the plan, but just some little things of, you know, paying attention to room sizes, paying attention to where cabinets are, paying attention to, you know, where you want your monitors. And that's where that list of pros and cons becomes so powerful is as you're talking with them. Now, here's what happens is it's hard for those drivers and it's hard for those people that really want just the fast answer, but slow down. And if you do it right at the beginning, then after all that gets on paper, you can back off because your team is going to take care of it. But it, you do need to slow down right at the beginning and make sure you get all those little things in there, all the, the right, the, the layout that works and really kind of walk it through in your mind and make sure that it works uh, for you because every dentist is different. How do you balance sort of this line between being the general contractor on the construction project and sort of being a, a practice consultant? Um, you know, just getting to know you a little bit, I can tell that you care about the dentists that you work with and you want them to be successful. And that might be at odds with some contractors out there that are going to build a practice uh, for a practice that might not cash flow or lead them to be uh, profitable enough to, to justify the, the, the cost of the project. How do you balance those two roles? It's self-beliefs. You know, uh, my you know, just my self-values. And and uh, I've found over time that, A, I can't do them all. B is uh, I ask permission uh, to be frank and be honest with people. And if they want to listen to that, uh, that's their choice. And if they choose not to, that's their choice. And, and I'm also realizing that um, I'm not for everyone. Some people just want the cheapest and they're going to get it done, whatever they do. And, and it's interesting. Uh, a lot of people that uh, even though they think they're saving a lot of money, they don't. And we can expand on that. But, uh, but what's so interesting is it's really about helping them down the entire process. And, and so how do I balance it? It's, um, I just, uh, I care about what I do and making sure that, uh, they always make the best choices possible, provide the option, but, uh, a, uh, an employee a number of years ago reminded me of our slogan and our slogan is making your dream a reality, uh, because I was in a meeting and I'm, and I'm starting to speak about what I would do. Mm. and. They grabbed me and said, Steve, it's their dream. And everybody's dream is different. And it's all packaged just a little bit different. And that's what this book does. It sets itself apart to help you find what that dream is and make it reality. How do people find the book? Um, basically, all they do is go online and it's uh, dreamdentalpractice.net. Uh, if dreamdentalpractice.net, if you can't find that, uh, you look on Denco Dental Construction. It's a hard name because 
D-E-N stands for dental and C-O stands for construction. I'm real simple in that regard. So <laughs> Denko Dental Construction. And uh, you'll see on our website, we have a link to the book also. I've bounced around a little bit, or we've bounced around with topics in different areas, but is there anything that I haven't asked or any points that you would like to get across about building a dental practice that you think are critical as we start to wrap up here? Uh, one is cost per square foot and then engaging uh, people and uh, value. So one is cost per square foot. What's really interesting is the Midwest and Arizona are pretty close to the same right now. And costs per square foot have gone up tremendously. I mean, just in the last year, I just got a notice that uh, wood has gone up 283%. Yeah, we, we record this uh, in the middle of 2021 when materials for construction are just going through the roof, just to kind of timestamp this for anyone that might be listening in the future. But continue, please. Yeah, it's mind boggling. You know, I, I went and bought a roll of copper uh, today and it was it used to be 125 bucks and it was $557. I'm going, that's huge. And so right now our cost per square foot is, you know, like 150 to $165 a square foot for doing a tenant, a tenant improvement, which a tenant improvement is going into whether it's a a blank box uh, and has no improvements in it, or maybe we have to gut out the office or what have you. Um, and so that is one thing. Uh, what's interesting is uh, that's high. I remember the day when it was $40, $45 a square foot. Hmm. So I've been around a while. <laughs> I mean, and then what's sad is you go up to the northwest of the country, and right now it's approaching $300 a square foot. Oh. Jeez. And then you go south of there, and it drops, and it gets over into California, and, and we're seeing uh, and being told it's more in the high, you know, hundreds, you know, so 185, 190. And it's interesting how it just, it, and then you go to Texas and it's probably more like 125. Hmm. So it just varies drastically. So it, um, you know, the, the thing is, is it can vary, but the biggest thing is remember it's an investment. Think about why is it the DSOs, the corporate dentistry are still doing lots of startups, even at these prices. What does that tell us? It's they're still confident. Yeah, they're comfortable <laughs> and confident that they will make money. And so that's where I tell dentists, you go find the right location and uh, you will succeed. And what's interesting is uh, location is uh, I did a poll and I did a number of things and location really isn't the number one thing. I found that you can have an excellent location and there can be two offices across the street from each other and one could do terrible and the other one do extremely well. Why is that? It's relationships. That's really what it amounted to. And so it, it comes back to people. And I just asked Dennis not to forget that. And then when it comes time to investing in your investment, it's it's no different than yourself, uh, Sean, you know, is, you know, I don't know if you do it or not, but you should is consider maybe charging a flat fee for services 
you know, because what I find is uh, I learned only 10 years ago that, uh, you know, when I came to financial people, uh, and maybe I'm speaking out of line here, so it helped me out here. We, we keep it high level for compliance reasons. I don't want to get too okay. into the weeds on this one, but, but, but there's, but there's your greater point. Of, go ahead. Yeah. But my point is, is some people charge a fee and some get fees off of services. And the, and the thing I wanted to say is sometimes it's best for you, whether it's a financial planner, whether it's a CPA or uh, whether it's a general contractor or equipment person, whoever it is, sometimes it's better to pay those fees to get the best result and make sure that they're serving you. So there's just lots of different things to, to think about in that, in that realm. And I've seen people make a choice off of a budget and that budget. What I've seen is people will choose a general contractor or an equipment person based off of a preliminary budget and the budgets are apples and oranges, but because the one, the, the orange is less, they choose that and they don't even realize what they're selecting or getting. And sometimes it's best to think about, I, I call it the, the bigger look and view is if you could spend $20,000 on equipment for your office and realize that it's going to serve you for 20 years versus two or three or maybe even 30 years. And it costs you $20,000. What's that equate to? Maybe $80, $90 a month, which is a filling or something. Mm-hmm. But it's something that you're not going to have to change out in the short term. And I'd much rather see dentists invest in good, good equipment, something that's going to hold up and last rather than find something cheap online and then be able to have something that lasts long term for them. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. It's been really fun having you on, Steve, as we start to wrap up. I know you mentioned uh, a little bit ago where to find out about your book, but could you mention again uh, the best way to get in touch and and learn more about your book? Yes, it's uh, dreamdentalpractice.net, dreamdentalpractice.net, and and or Denko Dental Construction. You'll find them online. And I appreciate it. It's been fun, Sean. I Thank you for allowing me to join you. Thanks for uh, agreeing to do it. That's Steve Anderson. He's the president of Dentco Dental and author of Dental Ease. Really enjoy the conversation, Steve. Thanks for sharing your expertise and for being a guest on the Practice Growth Podcast. Thank you much. Terrell Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Terrell Advisors, LLC. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell, and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results.